Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food. Or weight. Never ever. Not even. One time. Not ever. Ever ever. Hello everyone, this is Laura Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. And today we are going to talk about body talk. So the card has the goddess giving herself a hug, you know, she's got her hand on her heart and one on her belly. And then the thought bubble is a big heart. It's a very beautiful card and the deer is snuggled up to her hip. In the back of the card, it says body talk is how we communicate with our bodies. Communications with our bodies are often full of negative, critical comments, which are not only unproductive, but make us feel worse and lead to destructive behaviors. When we are aware of how we talk to ourselves, we can learn to stop the mean body talk, or at least slow it down, and create room for more positive, loving, nurturing, and inspirational communication with our bodies. So I feel like when Carol and I started Beyond Hunger in 1988, of all things, we really both had that kind of negative self-talk in our own ears when we were suffering from an eating disorder. And both of us said when we met and then decided to start Beyond Hunger, that that was something we really wanted to talk about with recovery to our clients who are coming to us for group work. And we really spent a lot of time with how mean we are to each other and ourselves and how judgmental I was about people and myself and how that's like the voice that I heard mostly in my head was, I wasn't going to be okay. They weren't okay. No one was okay. It was all terrible, (laughs) you know. And that's the way it was. So I'm really glad to have our next guest. I'm going to have her introduce herself and tell us what she does and why she picked this card. But, you know, I think anybody that's working in this field, we all know what that's like to have that mean, oh, you know, just hateful voice that tells us, especially about our bodies, that we're not okay. And I'm hoping that we can have a really good discussion about that. So go ahead and introduce yourself and we'll go from there. Yeah, I am Claire Hansen. I do a bunch of things. So one of my roles is as the outreach coordinator for Eating Disorders Resource Center. And also I am a personal trainer and nutrition coach. Great. And so how is that working with your outreach? I'm sure guiding people away from that mean voice to a more positive, loving voice of bodies and talking about our bodies to ourselves and each other. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, that's been a big thing that's shown up in working with clients over the years 
specifically in the health and fitness realm. More often than not, people are coming to me asking to lose weight for various reasons, but I would say probably about 90% of them will say, I need to lose weight. And then they'll follow it up with some negative aspect about themselves. And it spirals into this like self-bashing, really. And I think one of the things that I really try to portray to all my clients and really anybody around me is the way we talk to ourselves. Words in general have so much power. So if you are constantly saying, for example, I'm a horrible person, you're going to believe that deep down in your core and maybe it will reflect in all the things that you do. Now, I don't believe that all of us are awful, horrible people at our core. You know, I think that we are good, that there's good in all of us. I think that just sometimes you need someone to kind of help you realize and shift the mindset from that negative self-talk into a more positive, nurturing self-talk. And when you work with somebody who's just, I just want to lose weight and I don't care. (laughs) How do you coach them back into, you know, developing that loving, compassionate voice? Yeah, first and foremost, I always meet my clients where they're at. And I bring it back to my own experience a lot of the time because I remember... When I was in my eating disorder, nothing anybody said to me was going to change my mind about the next fad diet I wanted to do. Sometimes what I really needed was someone to just listen to me talk about this crazy thing I was going to do and then kind of reality check me in a really soft, caring, but constructive way. So more often than not, I'll listen to what they're saying what their plan is, right? Like I've had so many people come and say, okay, I'm going to cut out all carbs. And then the first thing I ask them is, okay, let's play it through, right? Let's play it. Let's play the tape through, right? Say you cut them out and you lose X amount of weight. What are you going to do after? Oh, I'll start eating carbs again. Okay. And then I kind of talk them through the process, right? And help them understand. And sometimes I'll even dive more into the science behind it and really explain like your body needs these carbs. This is how you get your energy and this is how you're able to do all the amazing things that our bodies can do on a daily basis. So it's really just helping them understand a a little bit more of how the body actually works and then guiding them in their own way so that they are realizing it themselves that there's a much better, healthier, sustainable and like loving way to reach their goals. Yeah, I love that. And do they listen? I'd say more often than not, I will say there's plenty of people who won't work with me because I don't get on board with the super restrictive eating and working out a thousand times a day. Some people will start off with me and then eventually they kind of all weed themselves out with those who realize I'm not going to support that. So most people who I do work with do pretty much get on board with it. Like I just had a session earlier with one of my clients that I've been working with for some time. And when she first came to me, she was telling me how, you know, she doesn't eat this, all these different things. And once I asked her what it was, oh, because it's bad for you and it makes you gain weight. Well, now she eats all of the things and she's healthier than she's ever been. So it's it, sometimes it takes a little time. 
Right. Yeah. Well, I think those of us who know that diets don't work, hatred doesn't work. You know, I think of Janine Roth, one of the first times I heard her speak many years ago, and she said, if hating yourself would have worked, it already would have worked. You wouldn't be here listening to me. (laughs) And I thought about that so much over the years of that. That was exactly where I came to. Like, well, it doesn't work. What does work? And I didn't have an idea what worked. I got into therapy and I went into a program. And in the program, I found a very down-to-earth nutritionist who didn't make it worse, you know, didn't make my eating disorder worse, who taught me I can eat whatever. It's just a matter of does it work for my body or not. And then I was off. Then it was great because I was back to trusting myself as I had done as a child. And I agree. I think in the throes of my eating disorder, if I had found someone like you that told me, no, you can't be on a diet and you can't work out six hours a day, In my eating disorder, I would have went, you know, I just would have never called you back. (laughs) Yeah, and I understand it, right? When that happens, like you said, like I was that person. My hope with all my clients is obviously helping them live healthier lives, but also helping them learn some self-awareness. I might be doing a one-on-one session with them with weights, but we're talking the whole entire time. And sometimes like, I'll have clients who say like, oh, I can't do that. And it's very similar to how I would talk to my daughter. My seven-year-old daughter is, hey, like you can't do this yet, right? We got to put that yet in it so that you give yourself the chance to be able to do it. So true. That's a great point. I think that was probably what one of my first therapists that helped me get over my eating disorder told me, you know, it was a lot of self-care and a lot of, I believe you can do it. And so I'm going to believe you can do it until you believe you can do it. It's really sweet. So tell me about your clients. They come in or even yourself. So how do you get them to go to this really negative self-talk to the more positive, loving voice, you know, that so many of us struggle with trying to leave that other one behind And I always tell my clients, myself, I tell them, you're not going to get a lobotomy. You're going to get the ability to know that's a thought and not follow the thought. It's going to come and it's going to go and you don't have to get stuck on it. Right. We use a lot of positive reinforcement. After every single session, I make sure to point out very specific things that they did that were great. So like, for example, today, one of my clients, I upped the weight. This woman's amazing. She's 69 years old. And today she was doing dumbbell bench press with 20 pound weights, right? So 40 pounds total. And that's fantastic. And she just started working with me, you know, almost two years ago. And it's been a very slow, we started off with five pounds. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Right. And so the fact that she's able to do that with relative ease, right? It's challenging. You know, I make sure that at the end of every single session, like I let her know, like, hey, you did great and be very specific about it. Right. So that she understands eventually, if not in the moment, can click like I did this really good thing and, you know, keep coming back, keep going. Sometimes it's giving some tough love 
right? Like I've had a client in particular who wasn't really showing up consistently for a while. He'd show up maybe once a week when we were supposed to be meeting three times a week and he was showing up 15 minutes late and it's an hour session. And it's kind of holding up the mirror in a really, like how you would want your own mother to do it to you, right? <laughs> yes, in a, of in a gentle, kind of stern way though, right? Of, hey, I get it. You're going through some stuff. And if you need to take this break, 100%, I'll be here. At the same time, I'm here as your coach. I'm here for accountability. I'm here to help you get to where you want to be. And these are the behaviors that I'm seeing that aren't helping you. So what can we do together to get you to where you need to be? So it's having those conversations that aren't necessarily fun, but they're necessary. You know, so sometimes it's more of that. And other times it's giving recommendations for books or podcasts or I'll see things in social media and send it to them because it makes me think of either what they're going through specifically, right? Because in these sessions, they disclose a lot of information and some of it's pretty heavy. And so sometimes I'll, I'll show them information that I either saw that made me think of them and it's, Hey, here's this, like, hopefully your problem that you're experiencing right now can become a solution eventually, right? Or turn into a solution. Yeah. And I think, you know, my old school of thinking about coaches is completely different than what you're describing. (laughs) You know, I had a running coach in high school who, if you didn't show up, you were off the team, you know, or if you didn't run fast and even if you didn't feel like it that day, you know, it was too bad. You're off the team. It was all about shame in front of everybody and punishment in front of everyone. And so I am really happy with how the world is changing coaches (laughs) and getting a more therapeutic way of dealing with people instead of, again, if shame worked, it would have already worked. Right. So how did you get interested in doing that? It was kind of on accident. I used to be in social work. So I have a degree in psychology. And my intention was to become a social worker and work specifically with teenagers in general. But I was working with teenage girls in particular for a while. And I loved my job. In the process of all of that going on, I had my daughter. And then when she was about 16 months old, her dad and I broke up. So I became a single mom working in the Bay Area, trying to make it on my own. And luckily, I have a fantastic family, right? So I always have had that support, but I'm a little stubborn and want to be able to do things on my own. And so I tried to figure out, okay, how can I still help people, but have a little more flexibility in my schedule? Because at the time, I was working like 60 plus hours a week, making just not enough. And it's emotionally exhausting, which that part also became a little too much for me. You know, every time I'd go into work, I saw these girls who I adored and all I could think about was my daughter. And it was just so hard to separate and leave that at work and not bring it home. So at the time I had went to rehab for my eating disorder and for a long, long time, I stayed away from 
anything nutrition related, anything fitness related, because it was too much, too triggering. But at some point after my daughter was born, I got back into it because I realized I wanted to learn how to have a healthy relationship with food and with working out so I could have a long, healthy life for my daughter, really. So while I'm trying to figure this out, right, single mom in the Bay Area, trying to find flexibility, a friend of mine at the gym I was working out at was like, hey, why don't you become a trainer? You can make decent money. Your schedule is flexible. And I think you'd be really good at it. So the original plan was to just do training while I was going to school to figure out what I was going to do. And then throughout that process, I really fell in love with training. And it was like the more I learned about my about our bodies and the way they move and then the nutrition aspect of it, it was super healing in a way, to be honest. You know, I had stayed away from it for so well, when I was in my eating disorder, I always went to the extreme, right? So I never did anything in a healthy, sustainable way. And that was my warped view of fitness and nutrition was this very like eating disordered behavior way of going about it. And now I'm learning all the things that I did learn in the program I went to, but it's clicking. And it really just, you know, I fell in love with it. And I knew that if I could heal from this, somebody who spent years in their eating disorder, years of hurting their body with both exercise and food and could find a way to actually heal it with exercise and food. I wanted to be able to give that. And so it took a little time for me to get into it full force, you know, cause there was a negative self-talk and I was still healing myself and all of the trauma and all this stuff that was going on. But as of, let's see, like about, I think it was December, 2020 it was when I went full force into being a fitness and nutrition coach. And it's been pretty great, honestly. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm... When you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed. Storygram Network. I joined Beyond Hunger about three years ago after my own eating disorder recovery. I've been with the Peer Ed program for over a year. I've been a peer educator for a few weeks now. Beyond Hunger is an amazing organization in which high schoolers like me get to go to schools across the Bay Area and educate teens and students on mental health, body image, intuitive eating. And I joined because it really helps people. I joined the program because I believe that the information we provide people my age is very important. Beyond Hunger has allowed me to connect with the youth in my community and reaffirm to myself what I know is true. It has given me an opportunity to educate others and inform others around my age. Um, and I just think it's a really wonderful program. Because I want to teach other teens what I never learned. Appreciating your body through its ups and downs, navigating diet, diet culture, and learning about 
intuitive emotions and hunger. And I felt that it was super important to continue to make change in the community. My name is Laura Lee Rourke, and I am one of the founders of Beyond Hunger. My business partner, Carol Normandy, and I founded it in 1988. But for the last 25 years, we've been going into schools and talking about the issue of eating disorders and body hatred. We um, train young women to go in with us, peer to peer, student to student, and it is a wonderful program. Please give generously this holiday season. Thank you. So it's two years this month. Yeah, that's right. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. It's your anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved what you said. That was exactly my story. I could not work out for years because I was very afraid I would go back to this crazy living at the gym existence and hurting myself, but doing it anyway. Again, I can remember as a runner, just ignoring every cue my body was giving me that it was getting hurt, <laughs> you know, and just I'm, I'm, shut up. I'm, I've got to do this to be thin, you know, and the same way with eating. I just would ignore hunger. I would ignore fullness. You know, I would eat things I did not like at all. Or I would eat things that I thought I loved and overeat them and I didn't love them and they didn't work for me. I just was so screwed up. So I was very afraid to go back to that if I stepped outside my little padded cell, <laughs> you know. And it was a big awakening for me to be able to work out and not even call it that, just exercise because my body loved it. And be okay with that and not turn it into a prison sentence. And the same way with food. When I was able to legalize food and just go with what my body likes or doesn't like, it was so freeing. Yeah, and that's the funny thing, too, is, you know, people will look at me as a coach and they're like, oh, you must never eat sugar. Actually, I had someone ask me earlier, they're like, so what do you do in times when the holidays are crazy and there's all these treats and whatnot? I'm like, if I want something, I eat it. But also I understand that there's certain things that when I eat them, I just don't feel that great. And will I still eat them sometimes? Yeah. But I think the difference between now versus, you know, years ago when I was in the thick of my eating disorder is like, I would still eat the thing that I knew didn't make me feel good. But then there would be all this shame and just negativity associated with it. And now it's like, oh, that happened. Maybe I'll learn the lesson. Maybe I won't. It is what it is. Not a big deal. So it's very different. It is. And I can remember telling somebody, well, what if I only eat ice cream? And they said, eventually you won't want only ice cream. You'll want salad and a soup and some protein. You won't really always eat ice cream. It took a while for me to get that saturation point where that's enough ice cream. But it did happen, you know, just like babies, they know what they like and what they don't like. I've watched both of my son and my both of my grandkids just slide stuff off their tray they don't like. <laughs> 
and then all of a sudden like it again or never like it again and just didn't matter. So I love that you had that experience and you tell that to your clients too. Yeah, I try to be as transparent as possible with my clients. You know, I think like I I have a healthy relationship with exercise and food now, right? And I've built it up over the last nine years, but it hasn't been linear. It's not like I just woke up one day and was like, oh, I am having positive self-talk. I accept my body for the way it is. I am having a healthy relationship with food and exercise and we're good. Like it's been a lot of trials and tribulations and successes and all over the place. And, you know, I never want to seem like I've got it all together. I think for the most part, I've figured out a few things, but I don't want people to think like it just happens like magic. Right. Like one day you woke up and all of that was gone, right? Yeah, I want them to know, and really anybody, right? Not just my clients, but anybody who asks me, it's, no, this has been my process. And this is where I'm at now. And let me tell you how I got there so that maybe you can either use the same tools or pull something that speaks to you from it or whatever, right? Find your own way, but hopefully my experience can help. Yeah. And I think you coming from your own experience like that so beautifully, it gives people the, I don't know, maybe the permission or the hope. Well, I ate a whole jar of peanut butter one time too. <laughs> and, and, you're like, and they go, really? And I, yeah, I don't really, I can because it's not illegal, <laughs> but I don't really want to eat a whole jar of peanut butter, I don't think right now. It's just, I trust myself, whereas I couldn't trust myself as far as I could throw myself. I didn't trust myself to not just eat everything in the whole world if I started eating or if I started crying, I would only cry. If I got mad, I would only be mad. You know, I was able to give myself permission for things. And it was a slow but steady process. And then, so tell me how you got hooked up with EDRC. Yeah. So my dad, he has been involved. Well, he first started with the parent support groups when I was going through my treatment, which I will forever be grateful for EDRC because of that. When you're maybe you experienced something similar, but it's like when you're going through your own process of recovery, the other people around you kind of get pulled into it and they need to go through their own process. And I remember at the very beginning, you know, my parents were constantly trying to figure out how to help me by asking me. I had no idea what I what I needed, what I wanted. And that was almost more stressful because of ERC. It took that away. Right. It took the pressure off me. Then they had their own resource to go to with whatever questions or support that they needed in regards to me. So it started with my dad, and I believe my mom too, but definitely my dad doing the parents to work groups. And then over the years, he got very involved and he stayed involved since. And then about, man, I think it was the beginning of this year. I felt like, have you ever had those feelings of, I need to be doing something more to help others? So I had this very intense urge and I reached out to my dad for some ideas and he said, well, EDRC takes volunteers, you know, let me get you in touch with Janice 
And so her and I met and originally it started off as me just volunteering and coming to like I had done a event for the Lantern League and just sharing a bit of my story and how EDRC helped my family. And then she emailed me about the outreach coordinator. If I knew anybody, I read over the position and it just called to me. Right. I sat with it for a little bit and thought about it because I can be very impulsive. (laughs) So (laughs) I thought about it and it just felt like the right thing to do. It felt like the thing that had been calling me since the beginning of the year, but I just didn't know what it was. You know, I think that what I do is valuable and does help a lot of people, but I sometimes like to be more in the background of things. I don't necessarily want to be in front of a bunch of people all the time. So kind of doing this more of behind the scenes work. And I do like going out to, even though I do like going out to events and sharing my experience and whatnot, it gives me a mixture of all of that. That's great. So that's a volunteer position that you're in? No, right now I am a paid employee. Yeah. Oh, so great. That's really great. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds so great. You know, just everything happened at the right time for you. It did, yeah. And to know that it's helping an organization that, I mean, I love my parents to death. I love my family to death. But knowing that I'm helping out an organization that helped my family just so, so much, I don't know what we would have done without them. So great. Would you mind telling me sort of how people can get in touch with you to work with you, but also how to get in touch with EDRC? Yeah, so to get in touch with me, you can reach out to me at clearfithealth at gmail.com or reach out via Instagram at coach underscore Claire. And then for in regards to EDRC, if you have questions or would like to get involved, you can email me directly at Claire at EDRCSV.org or visit our website, www.EDRCSV.org. Great. What's the SV stand for? Silicon Valley. Okay. Yeah, it's a great organization, been around for a long time. They do great work. I think they have a parent talk once a month or ask the expert. Ask the expert. Yeah. I'm going to be on there in, in January, but okay. it's such a great thing that anybody can listen to, to hear that there is hope, strength and hope for them. You know, that no matter who has the problem, everybody has the problem. We're a whole nation of eating disorder people, you know. (laughs) We're all codependent. We're all got crazy, weird ideas about food and weight. So I think the more we speak out about it, the better off we all will be. So I wonder if you would do this today, I will practice. Today, I will practice being aware of my negative thoughts and comments about my body. I will practice stopping them and replacing them with neutral or positive statements. I will practice speaking to my body in nurturing, comforting, and kind ways with compassion and acceptance. Great. Well, thank you so much. And thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate you coming on the show. So glad to talk to you. I'm glad that Janice recommended you. (laughs) Yeah, thank you for having me on it. Thank you.
Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.